there, Global Church family. Welcome to the ongoing conversation about international missions at Fellowship Bible Church, where you get a front row seat to hear what God is continually doing to establish His church around the world. My name is Mark Francis, and I'm your host for today. And I'm here with our missions pastor, Scott McManigal. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for being here. It's just the two of us today. Yep. And uh, we get a chance to unpack your trip yep. that um, you were in Thailand recently. Mm-hmm. And as, as we talk about this, you guys watching and listening, hopefully over the course of this upcoming year, we'll have regular conversations like this, yeah. of just hearing what the trip looked like, what happened, and more importantly, what God did. Yeah, so amen. I'm, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about what, what went down there at Thailand. But just before we, we get into that, give us a quick background, um, paint a picture of just your relationship with Thailand. For those that don't know, you, yeah. you live there. Right. So yeah. kind of, let's go back in time and uh, just with you and, and Annette. Yeah. Um, what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, so um, it's our second home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were missionaries there for uh, over 17 years. Hmm. Uh, we were with New Tribes Mission, and um, we worked with a tribal group uh, called the Northern Pokeren. And they're located in the northwestern mountain ranges of Thailand, uh, not too far from the Burma border. Mm. Uh, there's like four four types of Karen in Thailand: the northern Po Karen, but but then there's also the southern Po Karen, and their dialects are like 72% the same. Mm. But then there's a Skull Karen, Red Karen, and then maybe people have seen pictures of they call them the long necks. The, la- the ladies have all these uh, uh, like tight bracelets or neck necklaces around yeah. their necks huh. that actually elongates their necks and uh they're a type of a karen also and and then they you know they they i guess came down from china into burma and then eventually into thailand and so they uh they they have villages all the all those different uh versions of karen have villages in Burma also. Mm. So you say there's different dialects. <clears throat> right. Is there any likening to like the United States and, and English or is are there similarities to like somebody from Boston to uh, somebody from Georgia or is it completely night and day different? Yeah, it's it's the dialect differences aren't just um accent. You know, like for us if you're from the north or you're from the south, the main difference is going to be accent and mm-hmm. the way that you pronounce English. Mm-hmm. Um there might be different words for different things, mm. you know, like uh, one that comes to mind, like uh, a sub. You know, we, we call a sub a sub. Well, in Pennsylvania, they call them hoagies. Mm-hmm. In uh, New England, they call them grinders. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are different words for things, yeah. you know, like that. But theirs are, it, it's, it, it's, it's not just pronunciation. It's not just... Um, uh, accent, but it's actual different words. Hmm. Um, the red, the Southern Po and Northern Po are, are more closely related, but the other ones are, are different. They'll have a few words that are the same, but, but, but it's a, to- it, they're different languages. So living there in the Northern Pokeren yep. for 17 years, yep. you had to learn <clears throat> their language, their yeah. dialect. Right. But then also understand some others around you. I Thai. Mean, in we, Thai. Yeah. Okay. We spent our first year in Bangkok learning Thai. That's the national language. It's taught in all the schools, um, and it's the trade language. And then we moved up to the north to begin working with the Po Karen. And then we used Thai to learn Karen hmm. um, by finding bilingual okay. Karen. Mm-hmm. 
And when you lived there, yep. the goal was to not just learn the language, but to bring people to Christ, yep. plant the church. <clears throat> um, fast forward in time, what did that 17 years look like? So by the time you left, yeah. what was God doing there? Yeah, so by the time we left, well, when we moved in to our area, uh, you know, and it was a process um, because at the time, you know, there's there's a hundred different people groups in Thailand, and New Tribes was, you know, working with whichever ones God opens doors with. At the time, I think there was ten or eleven different groups that New Tribes was working with, mm-hmm. and they, you know, when you come there as a new missionary to the field, you're presented with options of where they see you fitting in. The Northern Pokeren was one of those options, mm-hmm. and just as we would visit and pray, we just got to where we. That's who. That's where we believed God was leading us. Well, then when it was decided that we would work with the Pokeren, they're in a main area, the northwest western mountain ranges of Thailand. There's many villages. Mm. There's tons of villages. I mean, they they number like fifty thousand people in Thailand. And so, where to locate? There were other other organizations working with them in certain areas. And so, it's it was finding an area that. No, you know, new tribes had worked with in the past, but got no response. And then there's other areas where there are other organizations working and, you know, you don't want to step on toes and, right. and that kind of thing. And so then we moved up to a northern Thai town, Masadian, in the north. And from there did surveys out into the mountains and to the villages to find a, a village to move into. And so then we, God led us to Maypay. And, um, and then, yeah, we built a house, moved in, and then continued to learn language and culture and got to the place where I could finally begin the, the chronological teaching. Um, that began with first translating those lessons into the language and then continued to translate the chronological teaching on into the epistles mm-hmm. in the language as we continued on. And when we left, I mean, when we moved in, there were no believers. Mm. Um, and when we left, uh, there was a main church in Maypay with its own leadership, and they had planted churches in three or four other villages. Wow. And there was 25 or 27 villages altogether in what we called our sphere of responsibility. And, and, and what was super exciting for me on this trip was to hear them say, there's only like two or three villages left in that area that don't have a church. Hmm. Um, the exponential growth over that period yeah, of time. The hunger. Amazing. The hunger. Yeah. Okay. The the sad part is is I'm not convinced that the gospel is 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 clear in every place. Hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of confusion. That's why we had this conference. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, but they're very very works based. And, and, you know, especially in living the Christian life, but I think also even in uh, maintaining and keeping our salvation. Hmm. They, so yeah. you say that there's probably some sort of cultural significance to that. Paint a picture of just kind of the spiritual yeah. condition yeah. of Thailand as a whole, like what you walked into with right. zero believers, yeah. to then what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome to really present the gospel in the clear way that yeah. is necessary? So the main, the, the national religion is Buddhism, and, and that's among the Thai. Then when you get into working with the tribal ethnic groups, um, they tend to be animist. Mm. Uh, ones that have um, more interaction with Thai, Thai society, 
will adopt Buddhism and and be you know become Buddhist. Really, they they mix Buddhism with their animism. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wanting to be accepted by the Thai. The Thai kind of look down on the tribal people as being you know uneducated mm. and poor health and hygiene and and that kind of thing. And so they're they're constantly trying to be accepted by the Thai. And so adopting their religion is part of that process. And so unpack animism. Real yeah. Quick. So they worship spirits. It's spirit worship is what that means. Um, there's different levels of spirits, but everything has to do with the spirits. Um, nothing has to do with germs, poor health and hygiene. It's the spirits that cause everything. Hmm. Spirits are over the waterways, over the walking paths, over the roads, over their fields, over everything. And there's and 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 in every level, there's taboos that can be broken. That if you break a taboo, and this is the constant fear that they hmm. live in of breaking taboos then the spirits will cause bad things to happen. It's why kids are sick. It's why they don't get enough rain or they get too much rain for their rice. Um, Anything that is undesirable, it's coming from the spirits. So Mm. when that kind of thing happens and continues on, a kid is sick and and you try different things and they don't get better and they don't get better. Eventually they go to what we would call a witch doctor Mm. who does divination to find out which spirit has been offended. And then they will have to... uh, go sometimes it's it's at a certain location um and 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 make a, an animal sacrifice mm. to specific you know a certain spirit just constant living in <clears throat> fear yeah just yep. not knowing okay what's the right way to go and yep. how am i going to live my life in a way that's not going to offend the spirits that's right so that way so i af- then have they're <laughs> afraid for anything new yeah because they never know if this will offend the spirits or not your animals can break taboos and cause problems. There was a guy one time that, like, in, every year to do their rice fields, they, they follow the slash and burn method of farming. They just go to an area, they slash everything down, let it dry, and burn it all off. Well, one year this guy got caught up in the fire and got, he, he got badly burned. Mm-hmm. Well, they, before he even got home, they killed his dog and they killed his pig. Wow. Because they thought that because earlier in the year his his dog had like if, if you're sitting down like okay, so they eat food on on the floor on a tray and they're eating off this tray. Well if your dog comes in and like jumps over your food or something like that, that's like that breaks a taboo mm. and you're supposed to kill your dog. Mm. Well he his dog did that and then he didn't kill it. Mm. He had a pig that had a litter of piglets and they were all the same sex. And if that happens, you have to kill all the piglets and, and the mother. And that happened, and they didn't. And so they're saying this bad thing happened to him because his animals broke taboos, hmm. and he didn't kill them. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. There's a complete need for oh. Christ to, oh. to show them grace oh my. and to, to show the yeah. freedom that they can have yeah. of not being bound by this fear of spirit world. Yep. Um, so when you started showing the gospel to people when you lived there, yeah. what what kind of doors were then opened? What did you see? How did you see hearts be changed through the gospel yeah, when you it, were there? It happens with um, them not getting their needs met through their sacrifices, through their ceremonies, through their animism. Like That's where the interest begins. Mm. You know, they'll have a kid that's sick and... 
they do, you know, they do this divination and they do these sacrifices and he doesn't get better. Maybe they'll go see another witch doctor and he'll come up with something else and they'll do those ceremonies and those sacrifices and it doesn't, hasn't helped. And so I'm going to try God. I'm going to mm. try Christianity. Like, so that's, mm. that's where, that's what God has been using to create the interest mm. in their hearts, like, especially in the beginning. It, they have to, you know, they have to get to the place where they have this need. They have this great need. It's really important to them, and it's not being met through the through their spirit worship. Hmm. And so then, then they'll they'll be willing to come and listen, listen to the teaching. Like that's all we want is just for them to listen to the mm-hmm. teaching. So like when I first began teaching creation to Christ, this is how I did evangelism by teaching creation to Christ. When I first started that. Um, there, there was a group of uh, five households in our village who were already claiming to be Christians. They had stopped their spirit worship. They were meeting on Sundays and singing and praying because that's, that's what they believe Christians do. And mm-hmm. so in their minds, what makes you an animist is you practice animism. So in order to become a Christian, you stop practicing animism and you practice Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, the way you practice Christianity is you do what Christians do. They meet on Sundays and they sing and pray. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were doing, and that's what they thought made them Christians. So when I started teaching Creation of Christ for the first time, I specifically did not meet on Sunday mm-hmm. with those who were claiming to be Christians. We had no singing and we had no praying because I didn't want anybody to think that they were practicing Christianity Hmm. and they had to become Christians to come and listen. Follow these steps, do these things. Yeah. But once people are willing to come and listen, then they can hear the truth. Hmm. And so, but, and that's, and that's what we've seen God use to bring them to that place where they're willing to come and listen. It's so viable to hear these stories, to understand the context of, of what, the culture is steeped in, yeah. and then what the believers of these baby churches have overcome yeah. to to then see the truth in grace yep. and in getting out of legalism, yeah. but yet they can so easily circle back to those roots. They yeah. can so easily circle back to, well, I still need to do these things, right? Yep. right. So by the time you left, you mentioned there was a church in Maypay, mm-hmm. a couple churches down the road, yep. in, yeah, back in, in the mountains. Back in the mountains. Yeah. And now today, you said there's over 20? Yeah, yeah, there's, so that would be 24 or 25 mm-hmm. villages now with, you know, groups of gatherings, right. people gathering as Christians. And all stemmed from that beginning creation Christ yeah. Um, yeah, seeds it, that it, were planted. It wasn't our church that planted all those churches mm-hmm. because, you know, a lot of those people, they, they go to Chiang Mai to find work, and when they're in Chiang Mai, they come in contact with Christians and Bible schools and institutions and, you know, other churches. And, and so... Yeah, they 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 haven't all been planted by our church. Okay, but um, give us some of the names of some of the key leaders that that we do work with now. Uh, yeah, that you helped kind of. Yeah, so the key groom. leaders of our church in Maypay, not two. He mm-hmm. was he was my language informant from day one, mm-hmm. and then he became one of our first believers and the initial um, one of the first leaders and pastors of the church. Um, four years ago or so he started to have um just mental health issues Mm. real bizarre thing something that runs in his family he kind of became incapacitated by it just couldn't teach anymore and all that and 
He's since gotten a lot better and has finally started to teach again, but um, they have just now um, placed a younger guy, Matwei. Um, he's going to be the, the official pastor now. They're going to be actually this Sunday ordaining him. The, mm. the, they're part of the Karen Baptist Convention mm. in mm-hmm. Thailand and uh, Association of Churches. They're going to be ordaining him. He he grew up with our with our kids. He was one of Daniel and Joel's best friends growing up, and uh, and to just see how God has worked in his life, um, I, I'm not really sure exactly how he or when he heard the gospel or got saved, but I think it was probably through the children's ministry that Annette did early on. He he and his siblings were a part of that. And, uh, and I, I mean, she took all those kids through creation of Christ. And and uh, and so now he's going to be the, the next pastor next generation. of the church. Yep. Yeah. And so he and Joel have really connected and, and, and uh, just looking at the work there and continuing the teaching on in other villages, working together. Mm-hmm. Joel's been a big help to him. And and then there's Nakwat. Nakwat is also one of the original believers. And, I mean, we could— <laughs> We could spend a whole podcast telling his story. You know, he was the son of uh, of, of the village spirit headman. Wow! And he was supposed to become the next spirit headman, hmm. and he became a Christian instead. <laughs> hmm. And uh, and and just the way that he has gone about and not ostracizing himself from his family continued to care for his family and care for his father while he was still alive hmm. has just been an amazing testimony. Hmm. Um, and then there's Klok Ang. Klok Ang is, he was also one of the original believers. Uh, he's the oldest. He's in his 60s. And um, Klok Ang is, I mean, all of them are grounded, but Klok Ang, I'll tell you what, he, he is an anchor, hmm. you know, when it just comes to just his view of God hmm. and his trust in God. Hmm. I mean, from the very beginning. Um, I mean, I'll never, I'll never forget. I was teaching creation of Christ. I got to the fourth lesson. Right, they, these guys hadn't heard the gospel. They're not Christians. They haven't accepted Jesus as their savior. Um, the, in Karen culture, they have a burial ground, and because of their worship of the spirits and fear of the spirits, like they, they, they don't like going to the burial ground. They don't like going as a group of men in broad daylight to bury, you know, somebody, let alone alone at night. I mean, they would never yeah. contemplate something like that. Hmm. The fourth night, the, the fourth lesson is on uh, Lucifer and the angels and their rebellion and how they became Satan and the demons and what they're hmm. like now and all like that. When Klokong heard <laughs> where, you know, how Satan and these demons came to be, he was like, I'm not afraid of them anymore. I would go spend the night alone in the burial ground. Wow. Like all he heard was yeah. four lessons. Yeah. And just like hmm. he's just one of those guys that as all along from the very beginning as he heard truth, he believed it. Hmm. And that truth pushed the old the old fears and the old, you know, beliefs, you know, right out of his life hmm. and and he's he's just continued to be that way. And so yeah, you're right. He's probably a, a steady anchor oh, he is. for that yeah. church yeah. and leading the way. Yep. Well, you mentioned a little while back uh, a Baptist convention. Yep. So 
explain <clears throat> how these churches got affiliated with a Baptist convention, because that then leads to right. part of the purpose of your most recent trip. Yeah, originally, uh, New Tribes had started an association of churches that was made up of the churches that New Tribes missionaries had planted among the different people groups. And some of those groups are more closely associated with Thai society and have better proficiency in the Thai language. The Karen are more isolated. They're, they're out in the mountains. Um, so their proficiency in Thai was just way less than the rest. Um, while we were there, there was an annual uh, church conference um, that would be held in one of the village churches. Um, you know, the, other, the only other church, uh, tribal churches that are part of that association were way over in the northeast. It's like a 13-hour drive. Mm. And so while we were there, it was, you know, it was feasible for us to facilitate them being a part of that, that association of churches. But once we left, it, it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't feasible for them to make the trip themselves. Mm. When they did, you know, their 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 ability to fellowship and inter- interact was limited, just because they weren't as proficient in Thai, hmm. and so it just it really wasn't that feasible to remain a part of it. Plus, it, it ended up dissolving. The New Tribes Association of Churches, for various reasons, ended up dissolving. So there there were other association of Karen churches. Um, some doctrinally, I would never encourage them to be a part of, but the Karen Baptist Convention, you know, the, I, I, I knew they were very legalistic, but, you know, aside from that, they were, you know, believe, they believed the gospel mm-hmm. and, you know, they preached the gospel. And, um, and so I encouraged them to just go ahead and join that association of churches. By then, the Maypay Church had become so established in the faith I wasn't, you know, afraid of the association mm. influencing them, but I saw it as an opportunity that I think they could, you know, influence some of the other pastors. How long churches. ago was that? It's been more than 10 years. Okay. Yeah, it was just within the first couple of years of us moving back mm. in 2006, so probably around 08, something like that. I love the mindset <clears throat> of thinking that, okay, they're, they're rooted and grounded in their faith, yep. the, whatever kind of poor theology that the convention may or may not have shouldn't impact them, right. but yet they might be able to impact yep. the convention yep. and other churches and other leaders there. Yeah. Um, did did the church leaders there, uh, remind me of the names, Nakwat? Nakwat, Klokong. Did they, did they see that same potential and yeah, opportunity? Yeah, they do, and it's something they have desired. I mean, they have really desired to, you know, impart grace and the importance of chronological teaching to these other pastors the problem has been is that the the guys in Maypay they've never been to an institution they've never been to a bible school they don't have a certificate on the wall you know a degree a bible degree these other guys they've been through you know bible schools in Chiang Mai and they have degrees and they have certificates and and so they've 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 kind of lacked credibility, you know, in the eyes of these other pastors. And so they just, they haven't had the opportunity to really, you know, pass it on. Hmm. So then what led to this most recent trip? So it's, like I said, it's been something that's been on Nakwad, especially on his heart for a long time to do a pastor's conference. And when Annette and I were there last year, 
he was talking about it, you mm-hmm. know, again, this, ah, I really want to do a pastor's conference and would you come and help us do that? And, and so, you know, we said, yeah, let's, let's do that. And so back last February, we started planning for this conference in January and they invited, um, four key leaders from 22 different churches. Um, and they didn't get near the turnout that they were hoping for, uh, like 15 guys mm-hmm. came. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some of them were from some of the churches in the 25 or 27 in our sphere there. But some of the others were from a totally different area. Mm. Uh, it's called the Ompoy area. And, um, and it's, it's, it's another large area of villages and churches um baptist there's some charismatic groups in that area as well but one of the guys his name's Monk, monklet <clears throat> um he's from a really big church <laughs> and he's um he has a lot of influence in the in the Karen baptist convention and he you know of all the guys that came i would say uh you know just based on all the questions they were asking i would say he was less confused Hmm. about the Christian life than the others Hmm. and really hungry. Uh, He was really taking notes, taking copious notes. Uh, When the guys handed out uh, a set of the creation of Christ in Karen for these guys to take back and use in their churches, like he got excited about it. He began to sit down and look at the lessons during meals and breaks and sitting with Nakwat and asking him questions Hmm. and and afterwards, I interviewed him, and he he said he's excited about going back and beginning to teach his church through the lessons. And so, Nakwat and the other guys were super excited about that because he's a guy that, like, if he gets turned on to grace and chronological mm-hmm. teaching, he could really influence a lot of other churches. That's just a <clears throat> great praise report, just right there by it just is. one person. Yeah. So you're 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 preparing for this conference, not knowing how many people are going to show up. Yep not really knowing who your audience is, flying out there, and then you meet with your son, Joel. Yep. And how how many days did you guys have to to meet with the guys? Yeah, it was supposed to be two and a half. um, And, but it ended, and it it would, you know, we were starting at 8.30 in the morning, and we were going till nine at night. Wow. And so it turned out, uh, the second day we found out, the the next morning those guys had to leave. Hmm. But but we got two full days in mm-hmm. with them. So what what did you review for those two days? What did you teach? Yeah. What? So I started it off with anytime I anytime I begin with pastors or church leaders that we have never taught before. Mm. Uh, in order, you know, my goal is to help them see the importance of of grace and the finished work of Christ for every part of salvation, not just justification. And then the foundational progressive unfolding of the Word of God as the means to unfold unfold this, the big picture, um, for the church. Hmm. And so the way I begin with it is, is by looking at God's heart for the church, God's heart for us as, as His children. Like, hmm. what, what's God's, what is God really after in our lives? You know, and most think it's obedience. And well, is that what we're after with our kids? Like, would we be happy if if our kids, if we heard our kids, you know, if 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 would we be happy with the statement about our kids that, you know, my kids hate me, but at least they obey me, you know? <laughs> and no, it, and it looks good in public, and right? They're, they're, yeah. they're doing the right things, right? <laughs> yeah, and we're not happy with that, and and that's not what God's after either. 
And, and so I started off with just helping them see that what God is after is a relationship and what that means and, and why and, and, and the heart of God and what the heart of God is like. And I mean, God has been about relationship from before the foundations of the earth. We looked at John 17 and Jesus's mm. prayer mm. and Jesus's whole prayer for his followers and future followers was that, that we would become one with them as they are one with one another. Mm. Like that's, that's the ultimate goal of our salvation is we're, we're being brought into this eternal relationship with the Godhead. Mm. Like that's what God's after. And so just really trying to help them see the, 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 the depth of mm. what God is at. He's not just after, you know, obedience. He's not just after us becoming good people. Mm. He's after this relationship. And so then what it's going to take, and then, the, and then the other thing I was showing them, I tried to show them, is how the, you know, the relation, the, the, our salvation is about a change in our spiritual identity, like the depth of, of what our salvation consists of. We didn't just need God to, you know, pay for the few sins we're committing and now just help to sin less and obey more. Mm. We had to have a new spiritual identity. We mm. were born with a sinful spiritual DNA mm -hmm. that only the power of God could change. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and that's what he did because of the blood of Christ. And so just trying to help them see the depth of what God has done so that they can see then the shortfalling of what they've been teaching. Mm. And so then Joel, I, did, I took three sessions to do that. Joel then took two sessions and he taught on the importance of teaching foundationally, mm. gave a lot of really good illustrations of, um, you know, like from a tree and the roots and the fruit comes from the roots and, and just gave a lot of good illustrations for teaching chronologically. And then Nakwat, he, he finished it up with two sessions on grace and just how everything is about grace. Mm. Uh, it's never been about works from before the foundations of the earth. And he was like, he, he got out like the, the stack of, of translated uh, chronological teaching that I taught them through, mm. you know, while we were there. Mm -hmm. and, and to make a point with these guys that, look, we're not untaught. Mm. We're not uneducated. When Scott came here, he learned our language and translated all these lessons and taught us through all this stuff. Wow. And and so then he laid it all out and then and then he and and he was so excited to be unpacking this for these guys and to finally have this opportunity. Like Joel and I looked at each other and we and we both said he's giddy. Like he, <laughs> like he was giddy. He was so excited to yeah. be up there. It was so it was so fun watching him. But it's neat to have uh him also being up yep. there teaching and sharing what God has taught him over the years, and to see that, yeah, he's not unlearned because he didn't go to their school. Right. Um, and, and it gave probably a little bit of credibility and validation exactly. for, for you as well. Exactly, not confused because he didn't go not to their confused. school. <laughs> yeah, and so by the end of yeah. it, you had never met these pastors, right. and now at the end of it, they're viewing you as, okay, you have a little bit of education and theology behind you, and so they're peppering you with questions, right? Right. right. So give, yeah. give us some of the examples of yeah. questions that um, they asked you and showed you kind of where they are as a state of their church and as a leader. Yeah, after every session, it was question after question after question about, about works, 
Um, if somebody says they're a Christian and they do this, you know, it's, I mean, it's, you know, usually had to do with drinking or drunkenness or smoking or hmm. immorality or something like that. Um, will they still go to heaven? Hmm. I mean, they just, and, 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 and they were all this, like, it, it was different scenarios, but all the same. It was all about, you know, basing their salvation and their relationship with God on how they're living. Because hmm. that was one of the main points I was making, hmm. you know, that, that it's not, it's not, you know, when, when it comes to our own relationship with our kids, you know, I said, I said, how do we, how do we, how do we build a relationship with our kids? Hmm. You know, when a new baby is born and you pick up that baby, do you start demanding that that baby loves you? You know, you're going to grow up and love me. You know, <laughs> you better love me. You know, that's not, that's not how, how our kids come to love us. Hmm. You know, they come to love us exactly like the Word of God says in First John 4. We love because He first loved us. Hmm. They grow to love us because we first loved them. We pick them up every day. We, we hold them every day. We encourage them every day. We love them every day. We feed them every day. We clothe them every day. We meet their needs every day. Like hmm. there isn't a, a day that we don't do those things. And, and so then I said, you know, showed the heart of God and the love of God that's communicated through passages like Romans 8. Hmm. And, and, and showed how, you know, Jesus said in his own prayer in John 17, Father, you loved me before the foundations of the earth. And I was like, this has been the essence of who God is for eternity. Hmm. And, and so if God is love and he's revealed his love, how are we going to come to understand his love? He doesn't pick us up every day. We don't hear his voice every day. We don't see him. You know, how are we going to grow to know, you know, to know his love for us? And they said, you know, well, from the Word of God. Okay, are you teaching the Word of God? What does the Word of God say? Yeah. yeah. I, I asked. I said, so are you teaching the Word of God? Mm. Yeah. Then why are your people confused about the love of God? Mm. You know, if God has revealed his love, and so it just, it just made another point that, like, you can teach the Word of, say, you know, think you're teaching the Word of God, but missing, missing the foundational truths, missing mm. the whole point. I love the parent-child analogy because yeah. that's that's relevant. It's, it's tangible. You can you can understand that pretty easily. Yeah. And and if these pastors or anybody who has that legalistic kind of mindset, if they're shepherding a church, yeah. are they wanting that church just to look a certain way, act right. a certain way, do certain things to yeah. to allow their church to appear yeah. like it's healthy yeah. instead of caring for the body and their heart the way that Jesus cared for people? Yeah. And so you're, it, it's an encouragement to that, that pastor group yeah. to say, okay, let's rethink what is your purpose as a teacher and as a shepherd and as a pastor of, yep. of a flock of people like that? Because, yep. um, yeah, you know, us parents, you don't want your kids just to, to say, I hate you, and then go out there and right. look like they love you. Right. That doesn't work. That right. doesn't make sense. Yep. So that's a, that's a neat picture, I yeah. think, that you're able to paint for them. Yeah. So then when you give those answers, yeah. what are the reactions? Yeah, so I think it really helped them. And, and that's why I think it kept spurring on these questions about, you know, well, what if people do this? Well, what if they do that? Or, and we just kept bringing them back to the foundation of the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, if we love because he first loved us. You become, you establish your people, you know, you, if your people were so established in their view of the heart of God 
and God's heart for them and God's love for them and the grace that he's lavished upon them, mm. that's where the motivation to be obedient will come from. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's, it's coming from demands and commands, and, which is a very warped view of what the heart of God is really like. And mm. so now your people view God as somebody who's just sitting up in heaven mm. giving these demands and commands that we, we can't follow. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a big, big praise report that we're hearing that these 15 men were able to and willing to come to a conference to listen to somebody they've never met before to somebody who is supposedly unlearned and untaught the way that they were right to sit down and be exposed to the teaching for these two days yeah to then hopefully impact their church uh, when they go home yeah so that's that's just a big praise and to say that you also had that one kind of key leader mm-hmm. of a bigger church um, seemed to be getting it, yeah. right? Yeah. It kind of seemed to soak in. There were two guys that every session they kept, they kept asking more questions because, but it wasn't, it wasn't antagonistic. Like sometimes people are opposing what you're teaching and they ask uh-huh. questions and, you know, they're, they're more opposing what mm-hmm. you're teaching. Mm-hmm. They were genuinely, sincerely, they were being challenged. Mm. You know, their view of the Christian life, their view of what's important of the living the Christian life was being challenged. Mm. But there was that other, the older guy, and then there was also a younger guy that's from one of the villages um, not far from our village that he was more soft-spoken, but he was really buying in, and, and he was really receiving it and getting it. Uh, all along as well great. and so yeah it was it's super super encouraging it's a great start there the guys are excited about doing another conference next year that's my next question what's the yep. follow-up plan like yep. what does not quite have in mind how is he going to well, connect with these gonna, guys they're going to give these guys some time they're going to they're going to go visit them in their churches and their settings hmm. and just try and get a feel for you know are they using the lessons you know has anybody picked it up and you know started mm-hmm. teaching the lessons and and places where they are you know they'll try to you know get a feel for the feedback and how it's going and i mean because i mean really what they're going to be doing now is exactly what jim and i do with pastors and church leaders mm-hmm. all around the world sure we turn them on yep. to the grace-based chronological teaching and get them using the lessons and then we go back to evaluate you know just and everywhere everywhere where we get them started on teaching this way the feedback they always get from their churches it doesn't matter if it's africa or asia or south america is we have never been taught this way Mm. Hmm. we never we never understood these things and i remember in togo all the churches the feedback that they got from all their churches was we used to have a big view of Satan and a small view of God. Hmm. Now we have a big view of God and a small view of Satan. Hmm. And so it just... It, it's funny how people can just uh, just impact the gospel in a way that just slightly just That's distorts right. it. That's right. And, and just our own human way of thinking yep. of what can I do? What can I give? How can I be a part of that process? Yep. That just, just a slippery slope... Yep. can impact a bunch of lives yep. and, and impact a church and impact a community to yep. to think that like we're doing something honestly that that is the biggest hindrance to the spread of the gospel and the establishment of the church mm. is the church itself mm. not 
not ungodly governments, not unbelievers opposing Christianity. It's it's the distorted gospel. Mm. It's the and 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 you know, distorted for justification, but very distorted for sanctification in our future glorification. Mm. But the cool thing, though, is that we're hearing stories of generational impact, yep. an exponential impact, then, starting from just a small village where you and Annette showed up yeah. to now multiple and dozens of churches yep. with church leaders, which then those leaders are training other leaders yep. and and doing that work to establish a church. Yep. That's what it's all about. Yep. Amen. Because it can't just rely on, on you and Jim or just no. one fellowship Bible no. church to do this. There's nope. There's yep. going to be turning it over and letting yep. them take the lead to do that follow-up. Yeah. So that's just happening in Thailand, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that's just one picture of yeah. what God is doing around the world. Um, just give us a quick update of the next trip um, and what we can look forward to hearing reports from that. Yeah, so um, back at our conference time, uh, uh, when I spoke, I talked about the strategy we had. We... Be, we we, last year, uh, last May, we had a conference in Nigeria in mm -hmm. which Joshua and Simon invited these Equa pastors, Nigerian pastors and missionaries that were from different countries to come to this conference. And Jim and I uh, gave them an overview, four-day overview of, knowing, of our Knowing God lessons and taught, we, you know, obviously didn't have time to teach all the lessons, but taught many of them and gave them a taste of the whole thing. And just about all of them invited us to come to their countries and bring it, you know, to the rest of their pastors, churches, missionaries that they have working with them in these countries. So we uh, have been working on that strategy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my next trip, I leave the 19th of this month and I go to Cameroon and Burkina Faso with Joshua. And mm -hmm. we're going to be doing that exact same thing we did in Nigeria. Jim's going to be gone at the same dates um, with Simon to Togo and Uganda mm -hmm. to do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, then in March, um, I go to Kenya and Uganda. and No, Jim's going to Togo and Ghana. Mm -hmm. Then I go to Kenya and Uganda uh, next month. And Jim goes to Zambia and Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And then uh, April, I go to Sierra Leone and the Gambia. So and, a lot of upcoming Africa trips. That's right. To, to work on yep. building and growing those relationships yep. with a variety of churches and a variety of new countries. Yep. Yeah. A lot, a lot to pray for then. Absolutely. Uh, any, any one or two things specifically and that come a, to mind? And just the potential, the potential for impact is just hmm. like you said uh, earlier, just exponential. Um, you know, what, what this... You know, our involvement with Joshua and Simon began with meeting them as missionaries in Togo. We went to Togo to start meeting with Lopa pastors through Pete Bittner, mm -hmm. and they were missionaries there, connected with Pete, and got invited to it, and then both got turned on to grace and chronological teaching, go back to Nigeria, become leaders in their organization, and then begin inviting us to meet with, and, and they're a huge association of churches, 10 million members, 10,000 churches, 2,000 missionaries across Africa. Mm. And, and just and, and on our first trip to Nigeria, um, we suggested Joshua consider seeing if he could teach Knowing God on a program on Equa TV, right. which they have because they're such a huge association of churches. Well, when Joshua was here in, in October at our conference, 
Equa TV told him that th- that there's 10, 10 million households are viewing that program. Wow. That's that's amazing. I yeah. can't even visualize yeah. that. And now we're now we're going to all these different countries, these different pastors and missionaries from different countries and it's uh, there's just a real spread. There's a real hunger. This the potential for impact is just super exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember it, during our Global Church <clears throat> Week last October where Joshua was up in the second service upstairs and shared just briefly that impact and just when you heard it from his mouth it was like wow yeah okay that is yeah god is using him and the teachings and spreading of the gospel in an amazing way there in africa yeah and so these next upcoming trips are going to be important yeah very much and so so we'll definitely be praying for that yeah um and we'll be hearing stories. Yep. So stay for tuned sure. for future episodes, obviously, Amen. where we get a chance to hear more of what God's doing there in Africa. Well, Scott, thank you for sharing and just being a part of this episode, yeah. hearing uh, all of what God's done in your life and how yeah. Thailand being and that I, second and home. And I just really want to thank our listeners. And, I, you know, there's many that attend FBC that don't listen. And I, I just, you know, really want to thank this body, mm. you know, for... Uh, just their heart and generosity. If it wasn't for this body, there would be none of this. You know, mm-hmm. there would be no FBC Global Missions Program. And 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 one of the things Nakwat at the end shared is he he just really wanted us to bring back, you know, his gratitude, his thanks to FBC as a mm-hmm. body for the partnership that FBC has played in through the years of just supporting that church and the ministries and and helping to establish them and, and, and make this, like even this opportunity to begin passing the teaching onto these other churches possible. Mm. And they're just, they're just extremely thankful for mm. FBC. That's awesome. Well, you guys also did make a brief little video and some pictures that we'll yep. get out there and post for you guys yep. so yep. you can just watch on your own so you can visualize yep. what that looked like and, and put into perspective of where you were, who the guys were there, and just maybe make that prayer life a little bit more yeah. meaningful and yep. visual. So look for that link to where you can at least see that as well. Well, also, just thank you guys for watching and listening. And remember, you can always submit your thoughts, your questions, your comments um, on our page there at fbcva.org slash podcast. And pass this on to other people. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed yet yourself, just hit the subscribe button so you get the newest updates of the episodes that come out. And share it with others around so they can hear of what God's doing around the church and around the world here at FBC. Well, thanks so much for watching and listening, Scott. Once again, thanks for being here. Thank you. And remember that it is Christ who is continually building his church until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 